it just runs better when Luke's back there, and, uh, and so I appreciate him. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, and verses number 24 through the end of the chapter, okay? Uh, let's just read them all. We're only going to focus in on one, and really just on one word here in just a moment. But look at verse 24. Now, Paul, in this particular passage here, is talking about his dedication to the gospel. He is really given a defense of his apostleship, what God has called him to, to preach the gospel to the regions beyond and uh, to tell others about Jesus Christ. Some had questioned his motives and wondered whether or not he was for real in what he was doing. And uh, Paul uh, gives them many examples and tells them, Uh, of what uh, his desire is for the gospel. And I think he's trying to transfer that desire to us, that we would have this same desire that he has for the gospel of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And uh, so think about that as as we read these verses together, that he is is in a defense for the gospel. Uh, Paul, we're going to talk about something in just a minute, so don't get me confused. Paul was really never one to really defend himself, but he was always very quick to defend the gospel, to the gospel. And when everybody stepped on the toes of the gospel, he was the first one to shout out and say, no, this is the gospel of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so we see that here tonight in the way that he speaks and how he does things. In fact, we should start in verse 22 when he says, to the weak I became eyes weak that I might gain the weak, I made, and made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. He says in verse 23, And this I do for the gospel's sake. See, there it is. I do it for the gospel's sake. Or as one old country preacher said, he said, the gospel's sake. It's the gospel. And uh, he says in verse number 23, he says, That I might be a partaker thereof with you. Know you not that... Uh, they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may attain in the gospel. That's what he's talking about, in the gospel. Don't, don't quit on the gospel. Stay running like a marathon runner. You're not, you're, not, you're not running a sprint. This gospel race is not a sprint. When we believe in the gospel of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it is something that is to carry us all the way to the end of our lives. It's not just a one-time thing. He says in verse number 25, he says, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. He's saying there, he's saying that that no man is out there who's striving for the mastery. He's striving uh, to win a race. He's striving to win the event. This is going back to the old Olympic style here. He's He's saying that anybody that is in these events, they're temperate in all things. You never see an Olympic runner. You don't catch them down there at McDonald's. Amen? I mean, you don't find, find them at Ryan's Steakhouse. Amen? Caleb knows what a old Ryan's Steak... Anybody know what a Ryan's Steakhouse is? It's like a western sizzling. Still not striking any... any a golden corral, maybe? All right, all right, all right. But uh, just imagine a golden corral in Tennessee, okay? So, uh, so just... It just, you know, all-you-can-eat buffet. You don't find an Olympic runner in there sucking down the Pepsis and the, all the steaks he can eat and all the things, all the uh, desserts and the pies and all the rest of it. No, he's, he's temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I, therefore, so run, not as, one, not as uncertainty. 
So fight I not as one that beateth the air. Now he's comparing himself to uh, not just a runner, but also a boxer. He's saying, I'm not just, uh, I'm not just shadow boxing here in the ring. I, this is a, a real race. This is a, a real fight that we're in, uh, he's talking about. But I keep under my body and bring I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. That's the word reprobate right there. It's the idea of a reprobate silver, uh, that I'd be no good. And uh, I think that ought to be the in the mind of every preacher, that he not be a castaway. That he not be a castaway. And always in my mind. Uh, and uh, not want to be a reprobate. But this one thing here in verse 25 really caught my attention. When he says that when you're in the mastery, when you're in the race, when you're in this thing, he says that there are temperate in all things. Temperate. One author said it like this, It would seem for the majority of us as Christians, we are not in danger of losing our beliefs in God. But we are in danger many times of losing our tempers. We're in danger of losing our tempers. Uh, a way in which you hear this word temperance uh, talked about today is a word that's used in a medical terminology. It's the word incontinence. And that medical terminology, we talk about somebody that uh, can, has, doesn't have a control over their bladder. I'm not trying to be funny or anything. It's just a medical condition that people have. We call that incontinence. They're not able to hold it is the idea of not being able to hold back is the idea. And this thing of temperance, sometimes we understand what it means when we think about it in that term of incontinence. Sometimes we say it like this, I just lost it on him. Anybody ever said that before? You don't have to raise your hand, all right? We've all done that maybe. Maybe you've said that. I just lost it on her. I, I mean, I just lost it at work today. I mean, I just couldn't control myself. What is that talking about. That's incontinence. That's intemperance. What happens when we're intemperate is that we're not able to hold back or we just do not hold back. In fact, what is interesting to me is that when you read the list in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 4 of what it will be like when perilous times shall come and men shall be lovers of, them own, of their own selves and their own pleasures and all these kinds of things, one of the things that is in that list there that when evil men will wax worse and worse is the uh, adjective there is that they will become incontinent. It doesn't mean in the medical sense, okay? All right, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about they will not be able to control their tempers in the end times. Do we live in a day when people don't control themselves anymore? How many of us have seen the videos of full-grown adults having a temper tantrum in Walmart? I mean, for real. I mean, you've, I mean, Alex is laughing because it's real. You've seen it. I mean, it happens. I mean, people have no control over themselves. I mean, it's not just 9- and 10-year-olds or 3- and 4-year-olds anymore. It's 40-year-olds. It's, it's, it's uh, just today, we were uh, here at the church, and uh, they, a tractor and trailer was backing in uh, over here trying to deliver some things. And if you, you couldn't see it tonight, but there's a lot of activity going over here with this big road project and everything right across our, our, our lot here. But uh, the, the tractor and trailer was in the way of this intersection up here. And there was one guy that was honking his horn and hollering and getting all mad and getting upset all because they were in his way. Incontinent. Intemperate. There are some areas in which we need to be careful that we uh, hold back our tempers. That we learn to be 
temperate. Did you know that that's one of the fruit of the Spirit? Bible says that, we, that the fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, and the last one is temperance. Temperance. And it's one I believe that all of us can work on. I don't believe that there's one of us that could say, I am fully temperate and I need no help in this matter. Take your Bibles and, take you, and go over to the book of Malachi. The book of Malachi, real quickly here, and I want to deal with this one first because I think it is a problem area. And the Bible talks about it as being a problem area and that one that needs to be addressed. And that is that if we're not, is that one of the areas in which all of us that uh, uh, are, are married or have been married uh, can relate to is that one area in which we can lose our tempers in is in our marriages. And if you're not married here tonight, then you might could just say it like this in any relationship that is close to you. Malachi warns the people of God, he tells them, he says that the Lord is not going to accept your sacrifices and offerings anymore because they had had a bad spirit towards their spouses. In fact, in chapter number 2, in verse number 13, it says, and this have you done again, he says, I'm not going to receive your offering, uh, even with a good will at your hand. And they said, what, wherefore? In verse number 14, because the Lord hath been witness between thee and thy wife of thy youth against whom thou hast dealt treacherously. Yet she is the wife of thy companion, the wife of thy covenant. Look here at verse number 15. He says, Yet, and he did not even make one, yet he had made the residue of, residue of the Spirit, and wherefore one, that he might seek a godly seed. Therefore take heed to your spirit. That's what I'm talking about right there. That little phrase. It says, take heed to your spirit. Uh, in your relationship, in your home, especially in your husband and wife relationship, take heed to your spirit. Uh, hey, moms, take heed to your spirit with your kids. Hey, dads, take heed to your spirit with your children. Uh, take heed to your spirit uh, with your brother and sister. I thought I'd get some moms saying amen on that one, right? I mean, I mean with your brothers, hey, be, take heed to your spirit. Uh, pay attention to what's happening in your heart, in your life, so that you don't lose it on your kids, you don't lose it on your wife or your, or your, uh, or on your husband. He said, take heed to your spirit. Why is it so many times we are trivial and we're tart and we're terse in our relationships that mean most to us, right? I mean, we would never talk in the way that we do to the people in our homes that we do at the person standing in line at Walmart so many times. Take heed to your spirit. This is a warning here for us. The warning, whenever you see the words, take heed in your Bible, you can write that down. You can take a little highlighter if you want to, or if you like to write in your Bible, take a red marker or whatever it is and underline it, then draw a line out to the margin and write warning, because that's what it is. Whenever you see that word, take heed, take heed, it's a warning. Take heed to your spirit in your relationships. We just simply cannot lose it in our relationships at home. We need to learn to not lose it. I don't believe that all of us are born just with a temperate attitude. Some of us are more temperate than others than naturally. Some of you uh, just let it kind of flow out like, a, like, like water. I mean, I mean, you're like a faucet. I mean, I mean something, I mean, something tick, tick, ticks you off. I mean, you just, you just whoop, here it comes out, you know. You just say it, and, you're just, you just say, and you say, you know, it's just better to go ahead and get it off my chest so it doesn't stay there for a long time, you know what I mean? And then some of you are boilers, aren't you? I mean, it comes in. 
and you let one slide and you let another and you let about 102, 102 of them slide until finally one day uh, Mount St. Helens blows up. I mean, and, and it's all over the place and it's a messy mess, all right? It's a real mess. I mean, the one person, I mean, it's a mess, but it's just kind of, boom, there it is, it's gone. It's like a lightning strike. But, I mean, the person that boils it up, it's like a, it's a, like a Mount St. Helens. It's just all over the place. I mean, you create, a, you create crater lakes. I mean, it's just bad. But that, that, none of, neither one of them are right. Neither one of them are good. We need to learn to control those types of things. You say, I can't control it. Listen to me. If you're saved, born again by the Spirit of God, you have the Holy Spirit of God within you. You can control You can't control it. You're right. That's a good admission. But you know who can? The Spirit of God. You see, it's being filled with the Spirit, being controlled by the Spirit. And when the Spirit controls you, then it's not you that's doing it. It's God that's doing it. It's the Lord working in your heart. Be careful in these three areas in your relationships. Be careful in arguments. Uh, I, you know, uh, I think it was Brother Yalls that said, my wife and I, we're old enough now. We don't have arguments anymore. We just have discussions. And I don't care what you call it, and I don't care what type of relationship you're in. I mean, I don't care if it was the love of your life. Maybe you met your high school sweetheart or whatever it is. Uh, every relationship's going to have an argument. You're going to have some arguments in those relationships. In those arguments, it's, time, it's in those times that you take heed to your spirit. That you be careful, that you realize that, that, that whenever that communication begins to break down and you begin to say things that you ought not to say, there is a breakdown also in temperance. Intemperance. Be careful in your, especially, I'll say it like this, in your marriages, not only in your arguments, but with this thing of adultery. Uh, this is a lack of temperance. The word treacherously in our text here literally means to be unfaithful, or to, uh, it means to be unfaithful here, to cover up. He's telling them, hey, be temperate, don't commit adultery. And then, thirdly, accusations accusations, accusing one another for this and for that. Learn to hold your tongue. We are all in our relationships, no matter what relationship it is, maybe it's a husband and wife, maybe it's with your kids, or maybe it's with your mom or your dad, uh, you're, we're all guilty of saying these two words, and we need to be careful in our relationships that we stay away from these words as much as possible. Always, never. You always do that. You never do that. Now, have you ever heard anybody say that before? All right. you, you always get home late. Really. He, always, every single time. You know what I mean? I mean, you never cook that food right. Never. Like, literally never do anything right. You never do anything right. Never say that to your kids, okay? That's just a downer. You never do anything right? Really? Literally, I never do anything right. I think my shirt's on, all right? I got a ball button, right? I mean, I mean, don't be a smart aleck, kids. I'm not giving you a reason to do that, okay? But I'm just saying. I mean, be careful in how you use your words. Arguments, adultery, accusation. Be careful in your marriages, in your relationships with this thing of temperance. Be careful in the cares of this life. I like what Chambers said. He said it well. He said, it is extraordinary what an enormous power there is in simple things to distract us from God. That's a profound statement. It is extraordinary to me, he says, that there is such an enormous power in simple things to distract us from God. How often times do we allow our 
tempers to be carried away with simple things. Now, temper is not just the idea of losing your temper or being angry. I mean, you can have temperance applies to all kinds of matters. In fact, in the early 20s, uh, there was a movement that was called the temperance movement. And that was, uh, that was a movement that was against drunkenness and alcohol. It was called a temperance movement. Uh, to say, we, we want to be temperate, we don't want to be drunk and live drunken lives, we want to uh, live a life that is, uh, that is away from alcohol, okay? That was the idea of temperance in that matter. But the Bible teaches us these things. 1 John chapter 2 and verses number 15 and 17 says this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is not of the Father, but is of the world. So be careful with the things of the world, anything of the world. Be careful with it. Don't allow simple things to distract you from God. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. Do you hear that? Let me read that again. Jesus said, Take heed. All right, class. What is a take heed? What does that mean? It's a warning. This is a warning. It's all over the Bible. Take heed to yourselves. He says, Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. Now, does anybody remember that word surfeiting? What it means? It means a hangover. That's what it means. It means to have a hangover is, is what that word means. To have a headache after one was drunk. Uh, that you're overcharged with this thing and drunkenness. You might have would have thought that there would have been some other kind of licentious sin that was next after those kinds of things. But what does he say? Be careful lest your hearts be overcharged with the cares of this life. You know, how many times are our hearts overcharged with the cares of this life? Anybody ever overcharged their debit card? Gone in the red? Ooh, that's not good. I found out when I was a kid that red, red's not good whenever you're talking about banking, all right? It's not a good number. It's not a good color to be in. You know what? We get overcharged. We, we, we put too much on ourselves by caring too much for the things of this world. And then he's talking about the day of the Lord coming again, Jesus Christ coming again, so that the day come upon you unawares. As I said, the tempers don't just deal with our anger. They deal with all kinds of areas in life. It could deal with anything that we can lose control in. I mean, you could... You, your, your car could break down tonight, tonight or tomorrow or whatever it might be, and then you're placed into a panic, and all of a sudden you, you've got a, you, you're, you're, maybe your credit's not that good, and so you go down here to, uh, to some, uh, some shady uh, car dealer, and you get a car deal, and you get more car than you really need, and then you're paying 24% interest on that, on that debt right there. And, uh, and you know what? You know what happened there? You just, you just let panic take over. You let it take over. You say, but I need a car. Yeah, and God knows you need a car too. But you don't need to pay 24% interest on anything. Amen? <laughs> okay? 
You don't need to do that. You know what you just did? You just paid for that car three times by the end of it all. And then when it's all said and done, you have nothing, you have nothing to show for. The car's worthless. Preacher, you're getting a little too close on debt tonight. You know, hey, I'm just saying. Well, I, let's just break it down a little bit. Well, I need that TV. Uh-oh. Now, come on now. I was, I was out and about on Black Friday. I thought I was going to get squashed, but I, it was pretty calm, you know what I mean, on this. this. And, uh, but I saw some people buying some big old TVs, 80 inches. And these are 65s right here. Okay, so just to give you an idea, 80, big old 80s, 90s, big old huge things. I thought, my stars. How many walked in that day and said, I need that right there? I need that. How many people put that on the charge card? How many people set, put, put, pay, is, paying, is paying down payments you know, for, for that for the next however many months? Because they need a TV. Be careful. We can lose our tempers on anything. It's not just our anger, folks. It's on anything. Temperance deals with losing control on anything. We can lose our control at ball games. I mean, how many little league uh, videos are there uh, whenever uh, dad's losing it on a ref? At a ball game. I mean, just losing it. Going crazy, going nuts. We lose it at ball games. Uh, we, we lose it in a traffic jam. We have all allowed games and vacations and shows and concerts and school and plays and performances and toys to distract us away from God. Cares of this life. Cares of this life. We need to be careful with that. That we don't lose it. And then here's one that I think is very difficult for us all to understand. We need to be careful with our tempers in our own vindication. In our own vindication. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Why do we ever think that if we defend ourselves that we'll somehow bring about God's righteousness? He says, that's never going to happen. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. We need to be very careful that we are not out, set out to vindicate ourselves. That means to defend ourselves. And that is something that is very difficult for us to understand. That is something very difficult for us to do. One old saint said this, O oh Lord, deliver me from the lust of always wanting to vindicate myself. Always wanting to give a cry. Always wanting to say something back. Always wanting to give a retort. Always wanting to defend me. You know what the Bible says in the book of Psalms and also Jesus repeats it? He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall what? Inherit the earth. That's a pretty good defense. You know, a lot of times we defend ourselves, and you know what we're trying to save? Our reputation. We're trying to save our job. We're trying to save, I don't know, you can fill in our money, our pride, whatever it is. But what if we just kept our mouths closed when people started accusing us of things and then let God vindicate us? You know what that really is called? You know what that is called? It's a profound word. Faith. 
That's called faith. Turn your Bibles over to Psalm 123. This is a difficult, I'm not saying this is easy, folks. But it is a place that I believe the Lord wants us to get to. He wants us to get to the place where God vindicates us, where God defends us. Here are the psalmist in Psalm 123, and you'll find this type of language of the psalmist crying out for God to defend him in many places. Unto thee I lift up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. The psalmist is saying, I'm looking to you, God. And then he says in verse 3, Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Not our own contempt, but as you'll see in the, next, in the next verse, the contempt of others. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. Who's the psalmist calling out to there? He's calling out to God. He's saying, God, do you see what trouble we're in? Do you see the, the accusations that are being brought against us? I know I'm filling in some blanks here, but do you see, Lord, what is happening to us? God, do you see what is happening to me? But the beginning of the psalm, he says, my eyes are on you. God, my eyes are on you. Our Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ never explained anything. He left mistakes to correct correct themselves. Not his mistakes, but the mistakes of others and their thoughts about him. The world says, stand up for yourself, right? Stand up for yourself. You need to stand up for yourself. In fact, sometimes we tell our kids that. And we need to be careful in how we say these things. Stick up for yourself. Stand up for yourself. There was one named Stephen who didn't stand up for himself, but he stood up for the gospel. And when he stood up for the gospel, Jesus stood up for him. Because when he died and was martyred and was stoned, the Bible says, he being full of the Holy Ghost, looking up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. You say, why is that so important? It's important because you know what Jesus had already done? He had sat down at the right hand of the Father. But when one was willing to not defend himself, but rather defend the gospel, Jesus welcomed the first martyr into heaven by standing up. Standing up and welcoming him home. Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. This is not an easy matter, folks. We need to be so careful with this. that we learn to not defend ourselves, that we be temperate in this matter, that not every single time that somebody says something bad about us, we don't have to say anything. You say, I have to say something. There was a man about 2,000 years ago. He was the creator of all the universe. In one simple word, he could destroy everybody. In one word, he could have brought 10,000 angels down and had them destroyed. In one In just two words in our English language, I believe it's one word in Greek, he said, I am, to a group of soldiers, and they all fell down backwards. 
This man had the words who literally spoke the worlds into existence. He is the word. His name is Jesus Christ. And whenever he was being falsely condemned and accused, and they were beating him, and they were slapping him, and they put a bag over his head, and they hit him in the face, and they said, tell us who hit you, prophet. Tell us. If you be the son of God, then, then tell us just who hit you. What does Isaiah say? He opened not his mouth. He opened not his mouth. He kept his mouth closed. Demonstrating to us, I think, the greatest act of temperance there has ever existed on the face of the whole entire world. If you in one word to correct all the wrongs in your life, would you do it? If you in one word could smash all your enemies, would you do it? If you in one word could have the world at your fingertips, would you do it? I don't know your answer. I don't need to know it. But in my flesh, I know my answer. The answer would be yes to all of those. In my flesh. In my flesh. I speak as a man. But is that what God wants for my life? As brother, we learned on Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, we can't live in what ifs. I can't say all those things and make it happen. But what I can do is this. I can be temperate. I can learn to be temperate in my relationships that I have. I can learn to be temperate over the cares of this life. And I can learn to be temperate in the concern that I have over myself, vindication. May God help us in this matter. It's not easy. I don't know why it's the last fruit on the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe it's because it's the hardest. But may God help us as Olympic runners that are temperate in all things. May God help us to be temperate in everything, in all matters of life. Father, we're thankful.